All right, what's up, everybody? This is Zach, and I am here with a guest. I was going to say a special guest, uh, and you are a special guest. Not very special. But you work here, so uh, you know you have to do this stuff uh, per Justin's requirements. I'm here with Jeff. Jeff, what's up? How you doing, Zach? So, Jeff, uh, because not everyone who listens to this is going to know who you are, uh, maybe tell us what you do at New Harbor and maybe how you got here. I am a senior information assurance analyst, and I've been with New Harbor a little over three years. And I have probably bordering on 30 years now of- it's just a minor amount of just experience. Just a minor, just a yeah. teeny bit of IT audit and consulting work. I've done- external audit with Cooper's way back when big company, small company. So it's been a little bit of everything getting to this point. And how did you, you're not from Vermont, right? You no. Uh, well, I grew up in Connecticut Okay. and came to Vermont from Massachusetts and I was laid off from my prior job and in the effort to find something kind of noticed that there was a lot of ageism in the greater Boston job market. Yeah. So my daughter was up here at UVM and I said, well, I'll start go looking Cats in go. Vermont also. Go Cats go. And, uh, you know, the next thing you know, here I am. Yeah. And it's a good place. So, uh, and the reason, uh, I brought you in, so we have sort of chatted offline quite a bit about, uh, some areas that you have particular interest and knowledge in, and two of those being, uh, physical security. And I think today we're going to chat about social engineering, um, as a means to ruin a company or, or <laughs> someone to ruin their own personalities online. So, um, maybe we'll stick with, uh, social engineering because, uh, we, with everything that's going on right now, I think that, uh, it is a, it's one of the efforts that are being made to sort of like intervene in our uh, democratic processes right now. Yes. So, um, maybe describe social engineering for someone who wouldn't know what it is. Well, without getting in broad strokes, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I'm sure that, that there's about a fit, like a million subcategories of social tremendous number yeah. of subcategories. I kind of look at it more as preying on human tendencies to want to be supportive of each other and help each other out in some way or another and using that as a way to manipulate people and get them to do what you want them to do. Yeah. And in fact, you can do that both online and in physical, uh, like the real world as yes. well. So, um, and I guess, uh, what prompt, like what was, what drew your interest in this? I mean, obviously like, I guess you have a degree of professional, you know, like it's good to know working for a cybersecurity company. Um, but what is it that like sort of drew you into this? Well, I may have mentioned this to you in the past, but, uh, I don't know if you remember seeing the movie sneakers. Yes. Love that movie that I saw that movie and that was it. It's a great movie. That's from like the mid nineties. It still holds up yep. too. It's a, uh, it's a classic. And I don't know for those that are listening right now, if they have any idea what it's about, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. But essentially it was uh, a, a team of people. Robert Redford was one of the big stars. Um, and they essentially were hired by their clients to break into other people's buildings and systems and environments to see what they could just find uh, inside. Not going to spoil anything, even this many yeah, years later. Yeah, you need to watch it. Yeah, spoiler alerts for a movie that's yes. like 30 years old at this point. 20 yeah. years. I don't know. Was it 94, I think? I think so, like yeah. I. It's funny because when I watched it, 
uh, I think that was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm old enough now that when I look back, things are a lot longer away than I used to remember them, but I, I was still pretty young. I think at that point I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade. And I think that was one of the movies that sort of spurred my interest in like, that might've been my first introduction to like hacking, like quote unquote yeah. hacking because there was that. And then there was the actual movie hackers, which I think was later on in the, in the nineties. And that movie was awful. Like it was, that was a horrible representation of like the process, but I think sneakers was sort of like, I don't know, there's something really cool about that. Like breaking into the, I don't know, maybe I had a deviant. No, I, I think it was done well. It was an ensemble cast. Yeah, it was a good cast. Um, Redford is a pretty smooth dude. I hear he's a good actor. Yeah. yeah. He's dabbled once or twice yeah. in, in the movie industry. Um, and so I guess to sort of bring that into modern times, like what, like, how are you sort of seeing this process manifest either like professionally, like with what you're doing now or, you know, more broadly in, you know, again, in, in some of the, uh, like there was a discussion in our chat today, uh, about how China was actually, uh, I'll sort of let you explain your thoughts as a, as the, how, how it would sort of translate, but China was basically recruiting people to be spies without them really right. realizing they were being spies. So, you know, maybe, maybe just sort of like contemporarily, what, what is the concern with social engineering? Like, how do you see it manifest? Well, and I don't know if contemporarily is a real yeah. contemporarily contemporary. I was going with it. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just keep going. Um, maybe a good way to look at it is to kind of go backwards a little bit to some of the first professional experiences I've sure. had doing okay. social engineering yeah. and I'll keep the names confidential, even though it's been so many years, but I, I had as a client way back when a company in Boston that hired company I was with at the time to essentially try and break into six of their buildings in Boston, see where their weaknesses were for physical security, um, where the social side of things uh, made it even easier. And it was just trying to abridge that. It was just too easy. Uh, yeah. I had success getting into every building. If you dress the part, right. if you look the part, people assume you belong. So even, you know, once you get past say building security in a building and you're dressed in a suit and you got a laptop under your arm, a pad in, under another arm, yeah, they'll hold the door for you or yeah, they'll, you know, tell you where to go and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Reflective vest in a, in a uh, clipboard will basically get you into yeah. anything is, is my experience. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I did for most of the buildings for this company, um, you know, we all have, most people have these badges they use to get right, in. Some we sort of ID or ID. Yeah, exactly. And having done a stakeout of this one building, I saw that basically all the men had their badges in their wallet rather than on a zip cord or something right. like that. They would wave their wallet over the reader. There was no physical barrier. It was right. just a reader. And if it, was green and it beeped, you went through. If it was not authorized, it would buzz, it would turn red and they'd wave to the guy at the desk <laughs> way down this big cavernous hallway. Yeah, so the guy's not like seeing their faces or anything. Yeah, Exactly. And, and so what I had done is I took my badge, put it in my wallet, did that, it buzzed, I waved. And before the guy had a chance to even question me any further, I'm on an elevator, I'm going up. Yeah. And so once, you know, I was past the initial security of the building at that point and 
upon, you know, eventually further investigation, you can see that every floor had glass doors. Once you're off the elevator that you also have to badge in. So yeah. I'm standing there holding my laptop, holding the pad dressed in a suit and I'm fake flashing my badge yeah. at the reader. And even though it's not authorized to get in, it's made by the same company. Right. And so it elicits a response from the system. And I would say, for instance, I'd say to one guy that looked like an executive of the company, he'd say, what's wrong? What's going on? I'm like, well, it's reading my badge, but it's not letting me in, which is a truism. Right. And so he proceeds to take his badge that's on his belt loop, does this hip check kind of move, (laughs) opens the door and he turns to me and he says, I've honed that over the last 15 years. And he was all excited to be super helpful. Thanks sucker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, And then I stayed standing there. He's like, well, aren't you coming in? Like, and I'm eh, like, I got, I got yes, I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and his response to that was just, you better go talk to security later, make sure you get that fix. And I'm like, okay. And then that, that's it. That's the right. end game. Yeah. So once you're in, you can just start perusing around. You go to the copy room to see if documents are left on the copy machine. You can look for information sitting on printers. For this one building, I found the room where they had all their laptops stored for um, provisioning to new employees or whatever. And once you do that, you know, I can yank that out. For instance, if I was doing a project like this with someone from our RedSec team that might be doing pen testing, I'd say, you know, here's your laptop. You can find out what their right. admin is. Granted, they'd figure that out probably anyways sure. without that. Yeah. And then once you're, I mean, like, uh, I think uh, we, we had talked about it, I think just you and I, but just the fact that like, you know, people will go and spend a lot of time, energy, money being like, uh, yeah, we need to have all these systems to keep people out of our network. But then like, there's a, there's no, like it's, it's a second thought about like physical security and like, sure. Like large corporations are thinking about it, but like a small business that maybe deals with sensitive information, like you can almost guarantee they're going to have it, but you know, they're, they might be working out of an old, you know, especially in Vermont, everything's a converted, uh, you know, uh, mill that's like ancient and, oh yeah, the door sticks and, uh, you know, yeah, there's no alarms on anything or, um, and then being, you know, again, like I always think of like social engineering, Vermont's like gotta be the easiest place in the face of the earth because everyone just wants to be helpful and, and, or the South, I guess the South is, you know, like the, uh, uh, there's some interesting social engineering stories that I have from some people I know who work in, uh, like anti-terrorism and stuff from, from the South. But anyways, uh, so then how does that, uh, I guess, yeah, you're physically in the building, but you can also use social engineering without ever stepping foot in the building. Absolutely. So part of the, the project for this one company I'd been talking about was they gave us a list of a hundred employee names and said, from this list, you can choose however many you want to test their understanding of our policies and procedures, what yeah. they should divulge when asked and whatnot. And so it was essentially the help, it was help desk personnel mostly. So we took, I think it was like either like five or 10 and called up people, did it two ways, called up and pretended to be the help desk and make up a really silly story like, Hey, you know, our, our active directory server has crashed and we're in the process of recovering it to make sure that the recovery is going correctly. Can you confirm for me what your ID and password are so that we can validate it against what we have here? Not 
them not understanding that we would never know what it was anyways. Right. And usually I'd say it was probably about for that particular test, probably about 70 or 80% people gave me at least their ID. And of that group, probably about 50% also gave me their password. Wow. Well, and you know, I think so, uh, uh, it's one of those things where I think people think that they're immune to this. Like I would never do that, but the recent Twitter, I don't know if it's a hack. It's not really because would you consider social engineering a hack? I guess so. I hate that. Like, well, it's a hacking we, of yeah, someone's we, we generically brain power. use. We're going to use hack in the same way that we use Xerox. Like yeah. it's a generic term for someone who's yeah, yeah. Yeah, breaching something. So, uh, but with the Twitter breach uh, hack, whatever you want to call it, from a few months ago, um, you know, everyone thought it was this really sophisticated. Like, oh my god! Like they got into all of these high level Twitter accounts and were and took them over and were sharing cryptocurrency, you know, ransomware style, you know, messages. And, you know, everyone's like, holy crap, like this was, this was a very uh, like deliberate, sophisticated, complex attack on Twitter. And then they did the research and it was like a 17 year old kid from Florida who called a, called the, the, the uh, whatever you want to call it, the watch center or whatever. And was like, Hey, I need access to the God panel. Can you tell me what the, I, I can't remember the password. I'm, I'm not getting it right. And got in and had access to something like, I don't know, 50 or whatever. It was all of the highest level accounts in Twitter basically. And then just, he went to town and just yep. started changing stuff. It was, it was, pretty simple, honestly. And, uh, you know, so that it goes to show you that like, even if you don't think you're apt to do it, it could be insider, you know, mm -hmm. it could uh, be, sure. it could be uh, a really, they, they don't necessarily need everything. Maybe they already have your password and they just need your username or it's whatever. The front door. Right. That point. So, um, how, I guess, you know, in your experience, like what is the, like, is there, are there strategies to preventing it? Or is it like, is it just one of those things that's going to be pervasive forever? Well, the way I've kind of looked at it is the best defense to things like social engineering are to put yourself in the shoes of the criminal or the unauthorized individual or, or whatever. Which you wore those you shoes, use. it sounds like, for several years. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and say, well, how am I going to try and attack yeah. that company or that individual or what have you? Um, if I want someone's Twitter account, you know, maybe what I'm going to do is try and do some Google research, what have you, and understand what, you know, if there's information related to someone's favorite things or family birthdays or the teams they support, or if you have a high ranking position in the government, you know, what your usual slogans yeah. are and things like that. Right. Um, and then maybe I'll just try guessing your password. Yeah. Um, Which was a, a recent example. Yes. I think we talked about with the president's, uh, the information's a little hazy as it tends to be, yeah. but allegedly the president's Twitter account was hacked by a researcher who took the Wi-Fi password from their rallies because they give out like free Wi-Fi, which never sign up for any free Wi-Fi. It's almost so. inevitably a trap. They're, if nothing else, they're they're collecting data. Asking for uh, yeah. trouble. Uh, sure. So they so they they had he just thought, well, I'm going to try this, and sure enough, he got right into the president's Twitter account and notified authorities. Like if this was a, this was a researcher who did not have nefarious intent, but, uh, or malicious intent and certainly could have, but 
Yeah. I mean, Twitter's like a perfect example because your username is your, is your uh, handle. So mm-hmm. every, you know, everyone's username right off the bat. So there's, there's, and, and most people, Twitter doesn't force MFA. So you've got, uh, you know, access there. And so I guess maybe that's, maybe that's the next. So like how, what, what are the sort of layers of the onion that you, you know, put in place to protect against either of those things? MFA is like a logical one for like, you know, maybe, uh, the, um, the cyber side, because even if you're like, oh yeah, Jeff calls and he wants my username and password. Okay, here it is. And then you get the notification like, well, if he's my tech support, why is he like signing in from <laughs> Indonesia? Like something is not right here. Now I can tell security, like I screwed up and I need to stop this. Um, but like a physical, like, you know, I mean, it's, again, it's one of those areas where people cheap out on it. Right. So like, yeah. And, and, and clearly, you know, in many of the discussions you've had with all sorts of other folks on our podcast, you've talked a lot about sort of the, the technical defense side of things. Yeah. Um, and, and so when I look at like physical and, and the combination of physical with social engineering, cause to me, they're really completely interrelated and, yeah. and one goes with the other, it, you know, going back to what I was saying before, it, it's sort of like put yourself in the shoes of if you want to get in somewhere and I'm using quotation fingers for get in cause sure. you know, that could theoretically be logical or physical. Um, look for the weaknesses. What might be the weaknesses? A perfect example, again, in Boston, I won't mention the company. Um, one of the buildings, it's a well-known tower, if you will, um, was one of my targets. Yeah. And there was another building across the street that also belonged to the same company. And there was an underground tunnel connecting them. So in the tower building, I went over and there was probably about a foot of space between one of these big giant marble columns yeah. and the metal railing that supposedly kept people from going through. So I just kind of sat down at a chair right next to that space, waited for the guard change. You know, I didn't know how long that would be and sucked in my gut. You know, then it was a lot smaller than it is now, <laughs> but sucked in my gut, squeezed through and just didn't look back and immediately got over to like the elevator yeah. Bay area. But then I walk down the stairs to where the tunnel is. There's no security in the yeah. tunnel. Yeah. So like once no you're one in one building. Get there. Yeah, exactly. It, I think kind of what's at the core of a lot of it is, uh, you know, we talked about this at the beginning. Um, there's assumptions of, there's a lot of assumptions yeah. and reliance on, hey, if the person's in here, they must belong. And they look the part. The only time I got stopped over the course of several months with this one company, I was doing a piggyback attack to try and get in. Someone saw me, you know, on the elevator that I did that. I was trying to walk fast. The person eventually caught up to me and, you know, we went into his office. I explained, you know, what I was doing. I gave him my get out of jail free card. We'll call (laughs) so-and-so to prove that I am who I say I am. And while we were waiting for the guy to call him back, I asked him, why did you stop me? You know, I want to understand yeah. why. And he said, well, you're dressed like an executive. I know all the executives, but I don't know you. Yeah. And as soon as he said that I stood up, granted this was non COVID times, yeah. reached across his desk and shook his hand and said, that is exactly what you should be doing. Exactly the way you should be thinking. You, you know, we joke a lot about 
what you hear in the subways and other things. If you see something, say something. Right. It's so true. Oh I mean, yeah. That's so, yeah. We're in some crazy times right now and, and people feel like maybe they're overreacting, but if you go with that and, and allow yourself to think I would be overreacting and not actually do something or not actually say something, then you're creating, you know, or you're keeping open an attack vector from the social and physical side of things. Yeah. And that actually brings up. So in the podcast yesterday, my final plea for people to like, try to just take this, like the online election security stuff, seriously, misinformation, disinformation. One of the things I talked about was bystander syndrome because often there is a, well, it's two things. I think part of it is people in some cases don't want to get involved. Like the minute you say something, you're now a part of that. And like, well, if I catch this guy, is this guy going to come and beat the crap out of me after I leave work? Or is, is this going to be like paperwork or am I just being like, it's nothing. I'm sure somebody else is going to do something about it. That's usually what it is. It's like I, somebody else will deal with it. And so when you've got a room full of somebody else is going to deal with it, you could have someone literally like, doing, uh, murdering someone in there. And they're all like, well, someone else is going to call 911. I'm sure of it. Uh, it's not my problem. And so that's when you get into like a lot of trouble. So I think creating a, so I worked in higher education, public safety before. And one of the things that we really attempted to do was to make it safe to say something. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that if they're wrong, they're going to get in trouble. Like people don't call 911. I've been in first response. I was a firefighter EMT for like 12 years. And especially in Vermont with our farmers who like it's very self-reliant individuals. And so when they get hurt and they call 911, we know it is going to be very bad. Like yeah. they have limbs missing. And so a little Fargo S exactly. It is. It's a serious, serious situation at that point. But like what we try to essentially socially engineer into folks is that no, like call, call 911. Like it's totally, you're not going to get in trouble. Like they get tons of bad calls from people every day who are just jerks. So call 911 or, or if you see something, yeah, like it's, it's not an exaggeration. Like if you see something, call the police department, like the worst case scenario is they go, Oh yeah, we already know about that. Or eh, it's probably nothing. And maybe we'll have someone check it out, but maybe not. So um, but I, I've, I've sat in our dispatch centers, uh, that I belong to and, and listened to some of the calls and it's like, yeah, the dispatcher's not going to yell at you. They're like, no, thanks for letting us know. We'll go check it out. And so, uh, to bring that on like the cyber side, that's when you, you know, like reporting tweets and reporting Facebook posts, like those things require some degree of automation. So even like the systems that we partner with and, and, you know, uh, put into client systems here there has to be something that's like feeding the beast. And so it's either through like intelligence, which is, you know, some human eyes that like find something and, and they feed it or, or there's automated systems. But like if people are marking things and, and reporting things or like getting it to the security desk, that's stuff that then can be put in and then prevent future issues. So it works in both the physical and cyber realm, but like, you know, yeah, it's just an action to do something. So Cool. Well, that's 23 minutes. That's a, we, yeah, you are chatty. You said we, I was shooting for uh, 10 minutes, uh, but it was My good stuff. immediate so. coworkers <laughs> would have reminded you of that. So, uh, and I think this is really interesting and I guess, you know, from a, you know, maybe like what's a closing thought for like, just if, if someone is now like intrigued about the process, like, you know, what, what could you 
Uh, by the way, Jeff actually has a book on Amazon, which I don't know. I, I now I forget the title of it. Tales but. of a Social Engineer. So there you go. It's it's cheap. He was trying to give it away, but he had to put a price on it. Yes. So it's cheap. You can invest in it. It's, it's short. It's a but, short reading, yeah. uh, but it's it goes in depth into this. So you should check that out. Um, yeah. So I guess like, what, do you have a closing? Any sort of like parting thoughts on social engineering? I think if we if we tie it to just current events, yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about the, the logical side of security and, and there are a lot of bad things that are happening and could happen. Yeah. And any hole in an organization's defenses, if it's left open too long, is going to be exploited, whether it's logical or physical. So I would implore people that have responsibility for physical security in their organizations to take a completely outside of the box look at what they have for their, their suite of defenses, you know, the combination of physical and logical yeah. and say, gosh, you know, where is even our slightest weakness? Where could someone get through, you know, and whether it's sliding under a, uh, an entry gate or sliding behind a barrister or hoping someone will hold the door open for you. It's just, it's too easy. And people assume that if you look like, again, to repeat this, if you look the part, they assume you belong. And so yeah. it's essentially let's borrow on um, the odd couple where they talked about assuming is to yeah. bleep <laughs> out of you and me. Don't assume anything. Yeah. If there's a hole there, someone's going to get through and get in. And, you know, if things are weak, once you're inside, then, you know, all bets are off. If you are out there and you need help, mostly with the cyber side of it, we have RedSec. We can come in and, uh, you know, we'll send Randy and Eric who've been on the podcast through your, your they'll find, believe me, they, they love this stuff. All they want to do is find your, your dirty laundry. They have no problem uh, exploiting any opportunity to do that. So, uh, but if you want them to find the bad stuff before the bad guys do, uh, www.newharborsecurity.com. Jeff, thank you. Of course. And uh, we will talk to you guys later.